With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Gotta wash the balls pre-kickoff. Kept in, is it by Willock? Brilliant from Willock in the corner on the far side. Looks for the cross. It's on the line. It's in. It's in from Anthony Gordon. There's the full-time siren, and New Zealand's run out. 30 to 0 winners in Hamilton. Matchup again, New Zealand maintaining possession. Wide to Lamu. He's got the bounce. He's handed off his opposite. Lamu. Oh, oh. Welcome to the run home. All thanks to Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourite straight to your door. It is an absolute pleasure to be here this afternoon. Always is, but I tell you what, the sun's slightly brighter, the birds are chirping just that little bit more. If you're a fan of rugby league in this country, it is a wonderful time to be alive. After an incredible weekend, what a weekend we witnessed again of New Zealand sport. We seem to be being spoiled on a regular basis at the moment. We should not take uh, let that be something we let slip past us. Do not sleep on that. There is so much great sport for this country and fans of uh, New Zealand to enjoy. And we'll be talking about it over the course of the next three hours. But for me, and for many, the unbridled highlight was seeing New Zealand take down the Kangaroos in record fashion. It was ruthless. It was relentless. And it was beautiful. 30-0. We've heard about it through the course of the day here on SENZ. There's been wonderful chat and we will continue that through the course of the show as well. And take a look at where this puts us and what happens from here. James Fisher-Harris says, it's our time. He wasn't talking about that moment. James Fisher-Harris is saying that New Zealand Rugby League is ready to step up. Are they? Is New Ze- are the Kiwis ready to get back that mantle the best in the world? Are they ready to start knocking over those Aussies on a regular basis once again? It's been a while, but here we are celebrating uh, an amazing, amazing win. And it, as I say, lots to love about the weekend. Bring in producers Jacob uh, and Brad. And uh, gentlemen, what what a weekend. So much to enjoy. Would you have thought for a second that we'd be sitting here talking about a 30-0 win 
over the kangaroos. Uh, good afternoon, <clears throat> Sam. Good afternoon, Jacob. Uh, it's Brad here. Yes, no, I did not because if you recall, you don't actually, Sam, but Jacob does because with our Friday predictions, I did predict the Kangaroos would win very, very narrowly. Oh, uh, not because oh, I didn't. I, I want the Kiwis to win. I just I went with uh, with my gut, I guess, and I just figured they'd find a way to do it, uh, and I thought it would be a lot closer. But what a performance you couldn't single out one player who didn't play uh, to the best of their ability. And the, the, the telling point for me is that Big Tino and Payne Haas were non-events. They were Absolutely. not a part of that game. They did not feature in any way. And it reminded me, Sam, of Payne Haas at origin level. For some reason, Queensland just find a way to shut that guy down and he never has a big impact, certainly not in games one and two earlier this year. So, yeah, I just I, they obviously figured out a way to nullify them from the game, whether it be a defensive pattern, you probably got a better understanding of what they did, but those two guys just had no impact in that game whatsoever. Australia had no go forward. No, absolutely. The, the, the Kiwis line met them on every occasion. They pushed forward and they shut them down. i tell you what, nothing, absolutely nothing, can turn Australian Rugby League into a tailspin like a loss in a, in a trophy final. Listening to uh, the Aussie fans turn on their own uh, after losing one game, yep, it was comprehensive, absolutely comprehensive. But it's only the second time in Mel Meninga's era they've, they've lost to the Kiwis. And they're suddenly calling for all these heads. But I, I tend to think that the Kiwis just ended a few careers. Uh, and, and wins like that, big games like that, it's it happens. So I'm... Um, uh, we're already hearing that James Tedesco and and, uh, and Daly Cherry Evans from some should never play for the Kangaroos again, which is steep, as you mentioned about Payne Haas, a hell of a hell of a club footballer. Can he step up? But we're hearing it about players like of, of the caliber of Isaiah Yo, uh, Nico Hines as well. People saying great at um, and Dylan Edwards great at club level, don't belong at that senior level. That's what the Kiwis have just sent the Kangaroos into this tailspin out of their comfort zone. Uh, and yeah, definitely, it's it's a huge moment. It's not a changing of the guard. It's not suddenly a, a, a landscape changer in the context that uh, Australia can get in line and chase mm. us. They're still a dominant force. But the cats put amongst the pinions, uh, pigeons, and they cannot handle it. That, that Australian pack is their first choice pack. Let's not make any bones about that. I mean, sure, Latrell Mitchell, Nathan Cleary, Josh Adokar could have made um, a difference to the performance, but they would not have stopped the Kiwis from winning that game the way that it played out. But I, I can't think, Sam, I don't know if, if, if you can, off the top of your mind or head, another Australian forward that would make that starting lineup um, in front of the pack that they had. Cam Murray, I guess. Um, who pulled out late in the piece, yep. but like, yeah, yes, they could make some changes in the backs. Like, like I said, Latrell, Nathan Cleary, obviously a, a sensational player. But outside of that, there's not much that Australia can do to improve their side, and we've got just as many players on the sideline as they do. Yeah, look, obviously uh, Ivan Cleary, a freak who proved himself in the grand final. No doubt, any side with Ivan Cleary, uh, sorry, Nathan Cleary, and pardon me, is uh, is making uh, great ground for sure. But uh, the rest of the guys you're talking about are really in those uh, in the other positions that are at the finishing, and they can't do anything without a, a pack being dominant. So, whereas the key the players who are missing from the Kiwis, you, no one can tell me the straight face that if they're available through whatever reason that you wouldn't have picked Sean Johnson in the halves, you wouldn't have picked Torhu Harris uh, in that lock forward position. Brandon Smith, Jeremy Marshall King, Murata even, yeah, even even Phoenix Crossland coming in. Uh, what they were dummy half was down to options maybe four and five with the New Zealand ranks, and they still were able to stand up and deliver in that capacity. And I think that is a a huge step forward. You heard me talking about it, uh, lads, throughout the the series. The philosophy from Madge Maguire 
to pick 17 and stick with it is unheard of in this day and age. I said it after the first game, after summer, I said that they're going to stick with this team from here on in is a sign that he knows exactly what he wants to achieve and this is a long-term focus for the series. It was, it was a brilliant move. Yeah, uh, I guess the only downside, <clears throat> and I know that there's been some talk uh, around the NRL, this is that we only got 13,000 people, but uh, given the sport fatigue that I think this country is suffering at the moment, Sam, I, I think 13 and a half is, is actually a, a decent crowd. Would, would we have wanted more? Absolutely. That that stadium should have been sold out. But at the end of the day, you know, sports fatigue, uh, we're coming off the back of, of a Rugby World Cup where we were all intently following that. And also... I don't know if a lot of people thought we were going to win that game, aside from yourself, Sam. So, uh, yeah, like uh, that, that's that's another factor as well. Do I want to spend my 40 bucks to get me and my kid there to, to watch the game? Probably not. Yep, no, absolutely. And uh, I don't think that they were – I don't want to accuse uh, the stadium or the officials of overcharging, but, you know, tickets cost money. You know, it's, it's not a – it wasn't, it wasn't given, been given away at, um, for, for nothing. Obviously, you can get cheap seats at the – uh, and then Bankman and uh, behind the post, and I think they gave options for all that, which is great. Uh Listen, what I'd tell you is that 13,000 there made more noise than the 20,000 did uh, at Melbourne the week before. And I'd also tell you that if Tonga had been playing that game instead of the Kangaroos, that ground sold out. That ground sold out. So I don't want to say the Kangaroos aren't a draw, but to suggest that um, that no one gives a, uh, you know, what about league over here and the uh, Aussies should take control of the running of it. The, 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 the arrogance personified, beyond arrogant, uh, and there's no way in the world that uh, they should be taking that kind of mentality. Get more games here and watch it grow. What, give the opportunity for tests to be played here on a regular basis. I'm not going to have a crack at the timing either, but uh, they were certainly uh, certainly challenging. We, we, we will be talking through this show as well, lads. The, the, all the teams are going to get a, a shout-out. The Wellington Phoenix is one of them. I'll put my hand up and say I've slept on them for the start of the season. Uh, I had low expectations, uh, and I certainly didn't expect them to play with a style that was as engaging. You can't score five tries and, and be negative, but the, 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 the whole style of the game I watched was was beautiful to see. I, I, I loved watching the Phoenix. It's been a long time since I could tell you that. Yeah, exactly right, Sam. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, exactly. I can't remember a, a time where they've scored more than or five goals, more than three goals, I'd say. Um, and, and Zawada coming um, and scoring a hat trick as well. I mean, it's just, it just shows that uh, signing a two year deal with the Phoenix for someone like Oscar, uh, Oscar Zawada is uh, was a master move, really, um, for them to secure his signature. I mean, God knows where it will be next year. I'd say. I mean, he came from the Bundesliga, the German first tier, uh, to the Phoenix. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you'd think he'd go straight back into one of Europe's top leagues next year, uh, considering his form for the past two years uh, with the Phoenix. Now, looking forward to getting into that and much, much more. Let's take a look at what's coming up on our Macca's menu. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Uh, we're going to look back at that awesome result for the Kiwis. Brian Bluey McLennan will be joining us for his insights. Can't wait to hear from him. Scotty Sattler for the Australian point of view as well. And uh, as much as I admire him, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Uh, the Black Caps, of course, their Cricket World Cup's hopes now. Are they by a thread? Where are things sitting? We'll speak to Hamish Bennett on that. David Choate will uh, cap that great weekend for the Phoenix, which is both the men and the women, if we're being fair as well. Looking forward to that. We need to talk. Cream of the crop, the MG Take Charge, performer of the weekend as well as TAB update with Paul Moati and the weekend scorecard that is your Macca's menu delivering your Macca's favourite straight to your door 
The Run Home's Sporting Headlines. Here's what's making news today. Kiwi triathlete Hayden Wilde has pulled out all the stops to take his maiden victory at Noosa over the weekend. He shattered the course record too. That's despite losing ground in a disastrous transition mix-up. Wilde trailed his rivals out of the water from the swim but made his big move on the field during the cycle leg, opening up a 30-second margin over Matt, Aussie, uh, Matt Hauser that was off the bike. Uh, the margin shrunk on the bike leg, but Wilder pulled back away on the run, his strongest discipline to win by 13 seconds, a time of 1 hour 41.56, a, uh, ma- a minute under the previous course record. Legendary. Now, uh, speaking of legends, Wales great Lee Harpenny has signed a one-year contract to join the Crusaders under new coach Rob Penny. Just days after making his final appearance for his country against the Barbars in Cardiff, Harpenny announced he's heading to New Zealand to join the reigning Super Rugby Pacific champions. He toured here uh, last with the British and Irish Lions in 2017, but he has visited with Wales in 2010 as well as the 2011 World Cup. Red Bull's triple world champion Max Verstappen has taken a record-extending 17th win of the Formula 1 season in Brazil after leading a red-flagged and restarted Sao Paulo Grand Prix from pole position. McLaren's Lando Norris finished second, 8.2 seconds behind, but with a bonus point for the fastest lap, while Aston Martin's Fernando Alonso took third place on the final lap with a thrilling battle against Red Bull's Sergio Perez. New Zealand's Erin Rickliffe and her Canadian doubles partner have been eliminated the WTA Finals Tournament after a marathon semi-final in Mexico. Radliff and Gary Dabrowski launched a fight back from a set down and trailed 4-1 in the second set before going down 6-1, 6-7, 10-6 to American Nicole Meltzer-Martinez and Australian Alan Perez. And world-renowned cliff diving event in Auckland has been postponed due to a rahui in the Waitemata Harbour. The Red Cliff, uh, Red Bull, sorry, uh, Cliff Diving World Series final was set to hit Wynyard Quarter from the 19th of November. However, a sinkhole that's developed in Parnell forced discharge into the harbour. The event will now take place across two days, starting on the 27th of January 2024, with a finale held on the 28th. And those are your headlines. The text topic today on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Which sport has had the best year in New Zealand? Granted, there's still a few sports that can leave their mark along the way, but right now, which sport has had the greatest year in New Zealand? I think you know which way I'm leading, but text in on double eight double three. Well, give us a call on 0800 150 811. Temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Welcome back to the show. Uh, a lot of talk has uh, eventuated after the Kiwis' uh, shellacking of the Kangaroos regarding uh, the crowd. And those in Australia wanted to make sure we're talking about that rather than the uh, embarrassment of their green and gold machine. Uh, 13,000? Is it enough? Was it enough? Should, should people be happy enough to uh, see that as the crowd for the Hamilton final? Uh, it's sparked a lot of debate and uh, we're hearing Jacob uh, some text through on it as well yeah absolutely um, I mean just from my point of view too uh, just quickly FMG unfortunately you know the camera faces the, the side of not the, the opposite side from the grandstand right so I mean you've got an uh, if you're viewing from Australia you have a different perspective of the game from someone that's at there uh, at, at the game too um, if the game was in Christchurch, I think Mark's saying it's uh, auto-corrected to cash. It would have been a full um, full stadium. 
um, especially with their new ground coming up, uh, being built at the moment. Uh, that'll be an interesting perspective to take. Um, and then someone's talking about the crowds for the Women's World Cup um, and how they don't get as many pl- people going to the NPC games. Uh, Sam, another another interesting point, I guess. I mean, it's a different sport um, slightly, but pe- people really got behind the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup when it was over here. I guess it's probably just um, you know a fact of, of, of marketing and promoting the game. Um, maybe maybe New Zealand Rugby League didn't do a great good enough job um, to get as many people um, into the into FMG on the weekend. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to um, to give NZRL um, too much of a, a thrashing for not being able to keep up with the with the FIFA marketing machine. Uh, it is yeah, you know, those aren't apple and oranges, and that's a one that's a once in a lifetime event uh, that was sparked. That we were we were concerned of uh, empty stadiums right up until uh, close to kickoff. It just so happened that. Uh, the football ferns put on a performance for the ages to capture the imagination of the country at a wonderful time and you know fair play to them on it it was pretty amazing but uh it, uh, this, this this requires further dissection uh, and i will be looking to rip into that a little bit later on but we're going to take uh, a news and sport update with johnny mack we'll come back we'll be speaking to uh, a man who was there who can tell us what the atmosphere was like in hamilton as well brian bluey mclennan but first news and sport You're listening to The Run Home, all thanks to MG4 Electric, high performance range excellence from 46,990 plus ORC, performance retold with MG4 Electric. And now creates some space for Monitalo, who's off! Monitalo wants a beat here! Great support play from Dylan Brown! Oh, that's fancy footwork! Aliota, four and done off, who's expecting it? But cut out pass, Monitalo for the corner! minutes. Brown out to Hughes. Hughes, good pass. Nickel Cookstar. He's suckled for the corner. Hughes, can they cook something up on the first play? He's suckled for the corner. Good hands, Damoko! That is sweet right there for Matt Damoko! Well done, touch! Brown gives it to Griffin, name, name! Griffin, name! Ecstasy for New Zealand! Well, those sweet, sweet sounds you heard will be ringing through the ears of rugby league fans on this side of the Tasman for decades to come. No one who saw that main game, no one involved in rugby league in this country will ever forget the 30-0 route that was put on the Kangaroos in the Pacific Championships final in Hamilton. One man who was there and knows all about upsetting the odds, the, pr- the coach of the previous record-holding team of 24-0 back in 05 with that amazing incredible tri-series when Brian Bluey McLennan joins us now. Bluey, how proud were you sitting there in, in Hamilton watching that result? Oh, extremely proud. It was it was just magnificent. What what a performance by everybody involved. Uh, you know, the the crowd was small at, at 13 and a half, but they were awesome. You know, what a what an awesome but uh crew down there supporting their their Kiwi heroes and uh 
And the team stood up and delivered big time, Sam, and it was just wonderful. Now, you obviously are someone who never stops believing in black. Uh, it's part of your part of your DNA, uh, Bluey. But did you see, did you sense anything that, like that kind of tidal wave coming? Not before the game. Um, you know, I, I you know, went, went to the game, obviously, hoping that the Kiwis that would, would get up. But from the Melbourne performance, it was, you know, it was, um, I, I couldn't see like that coming um, but sort of I guess 15 minutes into the game like there was periods in the first sort of 15 minutes where I was a little worried and I was worried when um, uh, Harry Grant come on because hmm. that was that's worked well for, for Queensland and, and um, you know in Australia and, and in the Melbourne test in particular but once they got past that and I think Harry Grant jumped out uh, to his left, and he was out with the ball, and they got across and banged his arm, and and they frustrated him. And then I knew, then I knew from there on, you know, the Aussies were gone. Um, you know, it was pretty close at half time, but they were, you know, Sherry Evans was getting flustered. You could see Must, uh, Munster um, trying to get dominant, but they just. The Kiwi boys were all over them. They they won that physical contest early and uh, just grew and grew and grew and their their timing and uh, on offense was was bang on and uh, was it was a terrific effort. You're at the game, so you you wouldn't have kind of known these stats as they're going, Bluey. But after about 20 minutes, the the Roos had missed about 24 tackles, and I know what you mean about that nervousness because when you're dominating a side like the Kangaroos like that, you want points on the board, but there was this relentlessness to this game uh, from the Kiwis, and we only see them in rare occasions. Is it, as a coach, is that strategy? Is that the tactics of a game, or is it just complete buy-in? What is it that can turn a side like that? It's it's a bit of everything, Sam. I, I think the belief in the team. Um, in the past, if you go through history, when we beat Australia, we've, we've got to dominate them physically. Uh, they'll generally out-finesse us, but you gotta, you know, you, you you gotta really be physical on them. And I, you know, I've I've seen I've been live at the three times we've nilled Aussie. You know, uh, I was here live at Carlo uh, in the eighties, eighteen nil, and over in Leeds with with the boys Oz, you know, with the squad I was involved in. Um, seen that and was there live on 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 Saturday uh, in Hamilton and. It's that physical. It's that physicality you've got to get right first. That's you got to, you know, you got to get get the Australians being uncomfortable, and uh, that's what the boys did right from, you know, the, right from the kickoff when Fisher Harris went in and bumped yes. uh, Hunt over. You know, it was it was that it was that mindset of, you know, we're going to overpower you. You know, this 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 is our day, and uh, you know, it was just. We're so proud uh, to be a Kiwi sitting in amongst fellow Kiwis who were just awesome in the crowd. They, you know, we had an awesome crew around us. The whole stadium, even though there's only 13 and a half uh, there, they were just wonderful supporting their heroes. Yeah, it's always unfortunate where the 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 heavily populated seats are is, are away from the camera, but you know that's that's how it goes as far as uh, enjoyment and building that atmosphere there. And the the crowd was raucous. It's no, there's no, it was nothing quiet about uh, what happened there. You, of course, were overseas 
when that incredible result of 05 uh, was was achieved. For me, it, it, what I really loved most about this campaign, Louis, is that it was an actual campaign. You saw Michael Maguire stick with the same 17 for three tests in a row, unheard of in this day and age, to pick your team and back them. How big an influence is something like that, that kind of strategy, in you building a, a, a formula like this? Yeah, look, it's a credit to, to Michael and the, and the coaching staff. You know, they, you know, they just wanted to get it right, and I, you know, I guess part of the reason was was getting used to the dummy half service because uh, it was different. Um, you know, and Kieran's not normally a nine, but he's as tough as they come. That boy, and uh, you know, and he's been involved in six, you know, some some great Kiwi wins in the past, and having him there and Noob Brown coming off. I, I like the fact that when Harry Grant come on, they they got New Brown on. Um, I thought that was better than what at Melbourne running Kieran right out in the first half. I thought that was good and. Um, uh, Griffin Neem, I thought it was really nice having him come fresh in the second half, and you know, and he he he, he picked on um, Nico Hines uh, in the middle there nicely for his try. Uh, but yeah, I think the coaching staff, you know, to 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 win like that, you, everybody's got to do everybody's got to do great, and that's that's across everywhere. That's management. Uh, the players, you know, to you know, beating Australia in rugby league is very, very difficult. To to win like that uh, in Hamilton uh, for this team, and they'll go down in history as you know as the greatest win, and they deserve it. Uh, every everybody in the staff has to do well, and you know, I'm I'm really proud also of some of the work uh, some of the old boys from '05 have done there. You know. Um, Mutz and Sol, uh, it's Mutu Tony and David Solomona, um, and and there's others that were involved too. Um, it's it's, it's Stacey Jones bloke. He goes all right, doesn't he? He's, he's oh. got, he knows a bit, he knows a bit about league. <laughs> yeah, oh that rat bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> mate, it's it's you know, and, and and I think there was others. I think Rubes might have got got in there. I'm not sure, um, but um, it. You know, it's every person involved in that Kiwi. You know, they'll be feeling uh, so so good now because uh, it's it's so hard to do. It's so hard to knock Australia over in the first place. Um, but to do it like that and and put five tries against them, and you know, and Osako was really good with his kicks too. Um, you know, he kept turning them into sixes and. Um, you know, and it was just comprehensive. Uh, the Aussies, uh, they actually tried. They actually tried to, to change it up in the second half. I thought they start to start to shift a little bit, and they were, were were trying to stretch, and then to try and get themselves to be able to get some momentum. And that backfired because uh, the Kiwis were onto them. You know, they got up and really pressured them hard from the inside and. Um, you know, I think the only chance the Aussies really had was was 30 odd minutes in the second half where they shot shot down the left with Munster, and that ended up being a, a, that was a forward pass anyway. Uh, but he ended up being offside on when they cross kicked mm. it, and that was just all the pressure from the Kiwis. 
Um, they were wonderful. They were magnificent. Uh, you know, so 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 proud. Uh, and it's you know it's well done to New Zealand League. And um, I thought it was a great concept getting it down to Waikato um, and, and and playing there because. It's just a wonderful stadium to watch football. Um, I recommend anyone, if there's ever a test down there again for, for league, or even the Warriors, get down there. It's a, it's a great place to watch rugby league. It is a great stadium, isn't it? I'm, I'm a big fan. I'll tell you what, aside from some, there's so many memorable moments in that test we can talk about, Bluey, but the th- what, I'll tell you what's really yeah. stuck with me. It was James Fisher-Harris after the game picking up the trophy saying, this is our time. The confidence, He wasn't talking about this game. The confidence you heard dripping from that, the Kiwis are talking about yeah. a, a new world order. You in 05, with your first year of coaching, the philosophies you brought in, like Kai Zen and buying into campaigns and building this up, was the first time we, as a New Zealand rugby league public, thought we, rather than, yeah, we can beat Australia in our day, that was the start of the process yeah. of we can beat Australia, like properly. We can beat Australia when we come against them in the games that matter. That's a philosophy that's devolved here, but that was a real statement from James Fisher-Harris for me. Yeah, it it was, and um, you know, it reminded it reminded me a lot of '05, and and uh, you know, like Ruben Wickie's performance in '05 uh, when we beat him 24-0 was just unbelievable. That was now when your captain, uh, you know, and they're both men of few words, they lead. You know, they lead with their actions, um, and. You know, it's, there's there's parallels, big parallels there, isn't there? You know, and um, and 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 James, you know, first carry, and then he was ripping into them every chance he had. And he's standing over them, and that's what Roos was doing in 05 too. So uh, there are parallels, and uh, and it's wonderful. You've got to be physically dominant, and uh, and we were, and and for him to stand up and at the end of the game and say that, yes, yeah, Sam, it's it's wonderful. I look. I look forward to next year. It's uh, you know we, when we play the Aussies, there's that confidence now, and and uh, and, and we've we've uh, you know we've got a couple of um, players debut, and uh, um, Matty Tamuku out out in the centres is wonderful. Griffin Neens is going to get better. He's a big beast of the thing, and uh, you know that there's um, Leo Thompson. You know great Thompson too, was good, and mate, he you know his. He, he came off the bench and really kept the ante up. So we've sort of blooded some players and, uh, you know, and, we're, and, and the players we have out there, there's, there's plenty of legs. That, you know, they've got a lot in them, like with Moses and uh, Leota and, and James leading up the front. So, uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, and the Kiwis that didn't get to play, um, they'll be... You know they would have been sitting there proud as of their teammates, and um, and they'll be itching to, and and every, you know everyone will be itching to get back next year. And what I really love, Louis, as well, is uh, rugby league in- internationally is starting to build itself into a better state. Tonga's just finished a series against England, unsuccessful, yep. but still history making. Uh, the 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 uh, the the other half of the championship played in Papua New Guinea, so it's regular test starting to find some growth. A result like this as well when there are the eligibility issues that we see so often in rugby league, it becomes an ability. I'm part of that team. 
that team I can see going yeah. places. Or players in this team don't go, well, well, I had a win with the Kiwis, now I'll go play for Samoa, Tonga, Cook Islands, whoever it is. That, this yeah. is what can hopefully build uh, that legacy because eligibility is an issue for uh, New Zealand as far as what strength they want to have. Great for the growth of the game, but if you look at selfishly from the Kiwis, they need to have their best to be able to keep getting themselves towards that top spot. Wins like this help balance that ledger. Yeah, it does. And, um, you know, if, if everyone that's eligible for the Kiwis, will, will, you know, they'll be itching to get in there. And and, and same for um, Samoa and Tonga. I mean, Samoa and Tonga, they remind me a lot of what we were like 20-odd years ago. We used to sweat on players, you know, that they'd stay healthy. Um, you know, and that happened to Samoa. Like, they really need Jerome Luai in there. You know, they, they haven't... You know they haven't quite got the um, the depth behind that 17, um, and and they need you know they need their best and um, and so that that'll improve as time goes on. So it is international foot, foot you know rugby league is 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 looking really good. Um, you know it's just a matter of uh, working out when when's the best time frames for who to play who and um, you know so it's not not repetitive. Uh, and then they do that, like the quality of the game on, on Saturday was good um, from a Kiwi perspective. Long may it uh, continue like that. And uh, just lastly, before I let you go, uh, quickly on, on Mike Maguire, what a contribution. Obviously, we know the origin situation with New South Wales now splitting yep. other things. What do you want to see happen? What should happen? Should Mike Maguire coach both teams? Should Michael Maguire still be the Kiwis coach and origin coach? What would you do? Well, in my opinion, I, I I think we've got to always have pathways for our our Kiwi coaches. Um, like I respect what Michael's done. I, I, if he gets the state of origin job, I, you know, that'll be well done to him. This is going to help his cause. Um, but for me, I, you know, I think we've got to develop our Kiwi coaches, and we need to get them in and give them a chance. Now, who that is, if we're I don't know. We've got Stacey coming through, um, who's had a really long apprenticeship. Nathan Kalis under him. Um, it's look for me. It's important that we, um, you know, get Kiwi coaches. I, I know it's going to make it difficult because of what, what's just happened with Michael Maguire. Um, but yeah, I think if he gets the Blues, I, I'd hope we we will go um, with a Kiwi coach. Yeah, it's uh, it's very similar to the uh, Daniel Anderson um, passing on that mantle to you, Bluey, in my mind as well. But it'll be very interesting yeah. to see what happens in the, uh, in the in the coming days and weeks on that. Uh, but we won't stop reveling this. Uh, it's the year that yeah. rugby league fans won't forget here, eh, Bluey? So I really appreciate your time. Oh, that's and right. Hey, just it. just just on that. I mean, there's no reason why the Kiwi coach can't get Aussie assistance and and so forth to get. You know, because the Australian coaches are just um, fantastic. You know, they they well schooled going through the NRL and and that. So the head coach for the Kiwis can still get um, you know some input from Australian coaches as his assistants. Yeah, I hear you, Billy. Always appreciate your time, Brian McLennan, uh, Kiwis coach extraordinaire and a passionate man of rugby league in this country. Enjoy this one. Thank you, Sam. 
the great man Brian McLennan. They'll uh, ringing some texts through as well. Uh, unnamed texts, so please do whack your name on the end of them. Uh, the league was amazing. So many players benefiting from the professionalism of Fisher, Harris and Leota. Leo Thompson improves every time he's in camp with Fish. I agree, what a growth that was. Yeah, as far as attendance goes, uh, yes, the camera faces the wrong way. It was $20 for the green zone and 60 bucks for the empty seats. Waikato had the Club 7s on Saturday and Touch Rugby had Pacific Cup in Auckland. Plenty of people should, could, would have gone. The small crowd played right into the hands of the Kiwis. Aussies wanted to be on holiday and the trip to New Zealand was a holiday before the holiday. They forgot about winning the Cup. Well, they the Kiwis definitely wanted it. There's no question. There was a depth of passion that you couldn't uh, couldn't deny. So I was I was excited by, about it. I, I don't like to say the Aussies were on holiday. I don't like to because that almost diminishes the the Kiwis win. They came here wanting to get a trophy. Yep, they've admitted to some complacency, but they thought they'd be good enough. And they had geez, they they had enough talent to be able to get themselves out of trouble. The Kiwis didn't let them have a chance and some good points regarding what was happening in Hamilton at the time but there always is there's always going to be scheduling problems uh, with a game uh, another one said it was awesome listening to Graham Lowe uh, on Friday uh, here uh, on SCNZ he had such a passion for the game brought a lump to my throat listening to him I must have rubbed off on all the players because it was an awesome performance Aussies were never in it from Cy I completely agree they weren't uh, and that they managed to put the throat uh, foot on the throat like that and people like Bluey people like Lowey they live this game absolutely the passion is deep-seated and you can't not speak to them and get fired up and want to run through a brick wall when you hear from them tell you what they didn't just run through a brick wall they knocked down the whole damn building let's take a break eight minutes away from four here on the run home and uh, look we mentioned the the situation with uh, saudi arabia and sports watching last last week are we fully rinsed well there's a stat that's coming up this weekend that uh, does lean into the uh, rather rinsed category. Uh, Producer Brad, uh, it, was a bit, it, was, it was a big event uh, mm. financially. If you're a wrestling fan, the crown jewel that WWE put on wasn't um, its greatest event of all time. But that said, certainly lucrative. Indeed, fifty million that the WWE got. They million? get they get fifty million per show, two shows a year. So that's a hundred million dollars uh, a year. They signed a ten year deal, uh, and WWE made more off that one show than their last three WrestleManias combined, um, where you're getting about one hundred and forty thousand people and the turnstiles across their two day WrestleMania. So, look, only eighteen thousand people squeeze into the Muhammad Abdul Arena in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. WWE's. Uh, Bank looking real, their, their 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 piggy bank looking real good with the fifty million US in their account after that show. That's what they got for showing up, Sam. Fifty million dollars. And that's before you take in pay per view buys. Well, of course these days it's all on uh, whether you subscribe on the network, to the service yeah. or not. But geez, it's so maybe the NRL might think about doing a weekend of rugby league in Saudi Arabia. And I'm not joking. I'm, I'm not, not joking. joking. That's absolutely no joke. Yeah. Absolutely look into that. I have no question whatsoever that that would be a contender. We know they're going to Vegas. They're chasing money in the audience there. So I'm certainly interested to see how it plays out. And listen, you, numbers like that change the perspective for anyone and everyone at all given moments. So, yes, yeah, sports washing, a very, very real concern. Uh, we're going to take a little break now. We'll come back before we get to news and sport. We'll uh, start wrapping things up as we move to our number two on the run home. There is a lot to get excited about if you're uh, a sports fan. Uh, I'm, I am I am, I am no, no uh, football specialist. I will put this end on heart. But I am captivated by what I saw from the Phoenix in the weekend. It's changed my outlook. 
and looking ahead to what uh, the Phoenix men and women's side can achieve this season, I've got a sense of optimism and interest I haven't had in an awful long time. We'll be talking to David Choate about where these uh, two sides in this franchise stand after the break, as well as looking ahead to uh, to the Aussie reaction. What do the Aussies think of that loss to the All Black, to uh, the Kiwis? We are thrilled to be able to talk about that at any given moment with Scotty Statler later on. It's going to be an exciting time. Stay tuned first. It's News and Sport with Johnny Mack. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my clubs. Welcome back to the run home. All thanks to Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourite straight to your door. So let's take a look at what is on the Macca's menu today. You can get, of course, your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. Scotty Sattler will be later on in the show with the Aussie perspective, the reaction after the humbling at the hands of the Kiwis in Hamilton. We're looking at the Black Caps Cricket World Cup. Hopes now, one game to go against Sri Lanka could be absolutely crucial. Well, it is. Hamish Bennett will join us to speak on the scenario they're in and how they get themselves out of it. Uh, David showed on a great weekend for the Phoenix. That's both the men and the women's sides. We need to talk cream of the crop, the MG Take Charge Performer of the Weekend, as well as the weekend scorecard. And we're getting the latest from the TAB with Paul Moate. That's the Macca's menu. Mick Delivery delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Well, it's been a fantastic start to the A-League seasons for both the men's and women's Wellington Phoenix side. For a few hours on Saturday, both clubs sat atop their respective competition. And when the dust settled on the weekend, both sides find themselves in third place, respectively, in their comps. To discuss this, we're joined by former All-White and David Choten. Uh, Chody, let's start with the women. They seem to be really benefiting from having a majority of that squad, who are quite young, uh, together for the last three seasons. Yeah, there is that continuity that's uh, helped them along the way, but... Uh fantastic start to the season for them uh, playing decent football scoring goals and uh, off the bottom of the table which was their sort of perennial position uh, to uh, as you say top it for a time but to sit in that top group um, very pleasing indeed Women's football obviously on a uh, a stage and a high never been viewed in this country before after uh, the Women's Football World Cup. FIFA was here earlier. Uh, it hasn't been the same level of interest follow through to this, but results like this, uh, now that uh, women's football is higher on the public consciousness, have got to be, have to be beneficial. It, it's, it's the time, the right time for a strong season. Yeah, exactly. Um, look, the upside for the women's game, I think, is huge. Um, there's lots of potential to not only... Uh, uh, get bigger crowds along, but to create more interest, get the media involved, and have young men and women everywhere think about football as a as a real pathway. But uh, they've been good. Uh, they've been good to watch. And uh, I don't know if you spotted the goals. The goal, particularly Longo's goal late on, was a yes. real moment of class. 
real moment of class and quality from a player who's been much anticipated uh, getting on the park finally and uh, showing her worth. Yeah, it is important having, uh, I don't want to say a household name, but certainly Anne Longo uh, through uh, the involvement with the Football Ferns and, and the World Cup we've seen. Uh, that is huge to be able to uh, come on, make a debut like that. It grabs, it grabs interest. Any side, men or women, uh, David, who, who wants to make a mark, we know the key to success, right? That's building that, is, is getting wins. Getting wins, you can play as well as you like. If you're not getting the victories, it's really hard to break into uh, the new fan zone. Exactly that. Um, people often ask, how do you fill stadiums? Well, you fill stadiums by getting winning uh, teams together and uh, putting a few W's together. Um, they'll end up building a real fan base that will enjoy watching this Wellington Phoenix side. But uh, they've been hard to come by over previous seasons. But this young side look capable of uh, maintaining that momentum. While there, yeah, there is the likes of Longo and, and some New Zealanders, it really is a, a well-put-together side as far as the imports go. Yeah, a nicely balanced side to me, um, a side that's got good international experience with good young Kiwi footballers. Uh, I mean, disappointing, great was Nesky's injury. That um, will yes. be one to watch. I, don't know if I haven't heard an update uh, today as to how that went, but I think uh, the mix is quite nice. Uh, and uh, as you say, it's, it's making for a, for a good watch. So as far as what we've seen, how much do we put this down to... Uh, the the right balance. Tell us about the coach, though. I mean, Paul, Paul Temple is not a, a name that uh, people throw around an awful lot, but he's he seems to be making every post a winner so far in his, his debut head coaching campaign. Yeah, um, I, I think you've got to credit the coach with um, taking the team on and moving them forward another step, I think. They are playing this uh, brand of football that is... Um, fearless to a point. They, they, they play out from the back, they try and get their passing going and they're creating opportunities and that's probably the biggest change I think. They're getting forward um, in good numbers and creating goals. So I think uh, Paul Temple can be well pleased with his start. Look, it's early in the season and he'll be the first to know that uh, there's a long way to go but starting the way they have um, given the fact that um, both the women's and men's side largely written, across, uh, written off across the ditch um, he'll be well pleased with that start and he should take some credit. And I think the same kind of fits into the men while while uh, Dave, well, sorry, while Paul Temple's come through in a, a context where he's new, the new coach. There is a new head coach for the men's side, but he was the assistant coach last year to include most of the majority of their side, including the imports, have had at least kind of a season together now. There seems to be a little bit of cohesion coming through. Do you see a bit of uh, the style from... Uh, last season coming through into this, or is it a different style Phoenix side? No, it is, it's 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 a an iteration, I think. It's an iterative approach. He's got the same sort of continuity. His his overseas based players are, are largely uh, unchanged, and he has sort of a, a senior group of players, if you like, that uh, he built his team around. Uh, for me, he's gone even further into the total football realm in terms of playing out from the back. I think the addition, uh, you know. To the squad has been the ability to play sort of from ever on the park. They really do look to move the ball from front to back, ball to feet, happy to uh, have possession held at the back and uh, being patient. Uh, Gianluca Italiano has, uh, I think, taken that oof of Tale side and started uh, in, a, in a fashion that you can be pretty excited about. 
So as far as what we saw, I've got to put my hand in my heart and say that I'm not a die-hard watcher of, of Phoenix Games, Chody. Yep. I, I respect the uh, the grit that this team can show, but there was something about the weekend. I watched uh, the extended uh, version of this one. This It's something about the style that just was that captured my imagination to keep watching far more than any Phoenix performance I can recall in recent times. Yeah, they don't look... Um... I think historically, and even last season under Vitello, who I was a fan of, they were a bit stop-start. They were sort of they played in patches, ten minutes there, ten minutes there, and then they'd sort of fall asleep. But uh, Taliano's got this side working hard for each other over the full ninety minutes. Alex Paulson at the back, the young goalkeeper. I think he's added a dimension in terms of being able to start the football right from the back. Um, but the young fellas, Finn Sermon, Lucas uh, Kelly, Hield, uh, they are early in their careers, but they're built like um, you know, men mountain. They are big boys who are performing and being supported well by the likes of Wharton and Co, who are their uh, their uh, sort of experienced talisman. Tim Payne at the back, having probably his best start to a season I've seen. Uh, Tim Payne, uh, you just mentioned as well, uh, with, along with Finn Sermon and uh, the, the keeper as well, and uh, Alex Paulson have been called into the All Whites uh, for upcoming international friendlies against Greece and the Republic of Ireland. I mean, that's uh, a, a hell of a performance uh, to take the, the gloves between the sticks there. Paulson from Oli Salas obviously captured some attention. Yeah, exactly how it should be. That's For me, this is what um, the professional side in New Zealand should be doing. They should be throwing players up for the international side, and, and they are. Uh, Paulson getting reward for a uh, strong start to the season, and he is the form horse, so uh, go with him. But, uh, yeah... Fantastic for those young players to have a platform and to be played. Again, Italiano has to be credited with uh, almost a no-fear approach to playing young young players. He's getting the young players off the bench, uh, out of their academy and into A-League football. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see more names added to the international uh, the international list as the season progresses. The, the likes of Ben Old, if he has a good season. Um, there's new names. Ben Conchi got his uh, debut a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's just a, a wealth of young players bubbling around this Phoenix side that if they continue in the way they've started, uh, there's no reason why they won't push on to higher honours. Yeah, no, exciting. that They are, uh, and Finn Sermon and uh, Alex Paulson, are the uh, only new caps in that squad that has been uh, confirmed today. It's taking on uh, Greece, who are ranked 51 in the world, and the Republic of Ireland, who are ranked 58th uh, later this month. So that's uh, great news for uh, them and for the All-Whites to have that level of talent to uh, to pull on as well. So uh, a, a lot, it's early doors, let's not get too excited, right? But they were both at the top of the table at some point, both the men's and women's side. Uh, and while they're separate teams, all part of the same franchise, but separate teams pulling different ways, there's a little bit of synergy with what they're doing. How how excited should we be about what the season lays ahead for both the men's and women's Phoenix? Well, I wouldn't get overexcited because you're right, it's very early days and, and they will have to continue to improve because sides will get better as this league progresses. Always in the A-League, uh, it's about playing finals football. The structure of the league is such that you hit the top six and you and you end up in playoff land. Um, that's what all teams will build towards. So this side will have to continue to improve. They'll know that uh, the performances they're putting out now, which are certainly up to the mark, won't be good enough later in the season. So I'd say it's a guarded uh, optimism that you'd go with. Um, if the players can grow and get better, um, there's no reason why we shouldn't get very excited. But I, I think the interesting thing for me is, and there was plenty of sort of doubt, even in my mind, about this side leading into the campaign, is 
every player that's had an opportunity has made a good fist of things. So there's something going right at that Wellington Phoenix. Obviously a, uh, a big weekend for the Phoenix. As we know, it's also been a big year given the uh, what happened for football in this country with the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup. We asked the uh, question a little bit earlier today uh, for the uh, Temper Bedpost text machine, uh, David. Which sport has had the best year in New Zealand? Now, I'm I'm leaning towards uh, the the league. What's the uh, the the Warriors and the Kiwis managed to achieve uh, consecutively this year? Is for both of them to be firing like that is almost uh, unheard of uh, in this day and age. Uh, but you could put up an argument for football. Yeah, you could. Um, I'm a bit like you, though. I just thought the leagueies and say the Warriors, there's the template. Fill up your stadium because you're winning. Um, you'll end up getting a roll on and, and doing something pretty special. So I think that's still aspirational, say, for the for the Wellington Phoenix and both the men's and the women's. But the Warriors have given you the template. And obviously, at an international level, as yet, neither the men or the women's side have really hit their straps. So I'd, uh, I'd struggle to put too strong a bet on football having the greatest year. But... Um, there is certainly the potential, and uh, if you look across at the league, uh, they've got a bit of a, a template to show you how it's done. Yeah, absolutely, a little bit of rage against the machine in there as well. I'm pretty excited now. Uh, just to the uh, to the EPL, a bit of a game on uh, tomorrow morning. Fair to say, David, uh, Tottenham versus your Chelsea. It's it's you know it's it's only taking on the unbeaten team in a London derby. Just just your just your average Tuesday morning. Yeah, yeah, and you did right. Typically, I'd be a bit bullish about Chelsea's um, hopes, but I think uh, there's a, a growing confidence that Spurs and they're, uh, now their Australian manager, Ange Postacoglu, um, he has got a team firing on all cylinders. Chelsea, uh, they talk about it being a rebuilding project. Well, I think it's still in sort of uh, maybe it's just getting out of the ground. It's not really getting going yet. So I'd say Spurs will be favoured. And in saying that, it'll probably be a day when Chelsea turn up and do something uh, out of this world. But it will need to be that to beat a, a Spurs side who's at top of the table um, and uh, are cruising comfortably. Ask David Moyes if you're allowed rebuilding phases when you're a team of the size of, of uh, Man United and Chelsea, David. You, you don't you don't get that privilege, but um, there's been a few false dawns at Chelsea, a, a rollover of managers since the Roman Empire crumbled. So uh, I think Pochettino will get a good welcome back at Spurs. That's the other dynamic. He's going back to his old stomping ground, but he was well loved there, so I think he'll get a decent, a decent ovation. I'm not sure about those dressed in blue, but uh, I'll be watching. You can uh, be sure of that. Listen, I think he'll get an ovation, an ovation because he was was well liked, and the team's going well without him. So had had he left, and the team uh, and the team being fallen to pieces, it's a slightly different different yarn, right? But because of a good zone, I think a good reaction. Speaking of the managers, what about Ange lighting a fire? Was saying he'd rather manage a complete team uh, rather than one full of stel- uh, superstars like Chelsea. Is that that's a shot across yeah. the bow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, Ange Postacoglu, and, and I, I'm really enjoying his um, his uh, press releases, and this one is no different. It's uh, definitely designed to get up the uh, nose of Chelsea and their supporters, and it will do that. Um, but uh, Ange Postacoglu knows exactly what he's doing. He takes the pressure off the players, brings it on himself, and he's got his team going well. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a good... It'll be a worth a watch, um, but... Uh, as I said, I think Spurs fans can uh, look forward to a, a better season than perhaps us Chelsea fans. We're, we're in that uh, horrible dilemma of sort of uh, mid-table mediocrity. 
Um, don't wave that uh, blue flag just yet, David. It's you know, hold, hang in there, Chody. It's just long season. You know, yeah. you know the drill. This isn't new to you. Former All White, David Choate. Appreciate your time as always. Yeah, no problem. Always happy to talk the round ball. Now, uh, still to come on uh, the show, we've got SN's own Scotty Sattler looking at the Kiwis and the Kangaroos. Can't wait for that one. Of course, you can catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass only on DAZN. Visit NFL, DAZN, D-A-Z-N dot com forward slash NFL. The cream of the crop on the run home. Yes, Cream of the Crop brought to you by Grain Corp Feeds, your trusted partner for quality dairy feed options. And there was so much to enjoy this weekend. Uh, you could call out some of the, the batting efforts of the, the Black Caps before the rain ruined everything. You could also look at some of the performances of those Phoenix sides we just discussed as well. Absolutely stellar. But really, the Cream of the Crop, it should be pretty self-explanatory. The conquering of the kangaroos does it for the Kiwis. For and done off, who's expecting it? The cutting pass, Mulitella for the corner! Oh yeah! The Kiwis hit the front. Hughes, good pass, Nicole Cookstar, he's suckled for the corner! Good hands, Damoko! That is sweet right there for Damoko! Name, name! This is our group. I'm so proud of this group. Uh, also, just want to say, um, Etanga Tafino Aotearoa Etu. Etetai Tokerao Etu. Hukianga Kuku Etu. New Zealand stand up. This is our time. Cheer. Not many people get away with finishing official speeches with cheer. But James Fisher-Harris, I don't think Andrew Abdo is about to tap him on the shoulder and pull him up. Uh, another amazing performance from uh, from Fish. He is uh, absolutely phenomenal. There is a swagger that he has brought from the Panthers. Love him or loathe them, they back, they back themselves, they believe in themselves. And that swagger that uh, he brought through really just permeated through the rest of that team. And Brandon Jacob, do you know what I loved? I loved the Harker for this one. We've seen a couple of super intense ones against Samoa mm. and against the uh, the Kangaroos in Melbourne where they got nose to nose. This time, they did the Harker with passion and they quickly finished it on their terms and turned around. They didn't make it a steering contest. They yeah. didn't give anything that the Kangaroos could feed off and do something with or show that they had uh, out and they had held their ground. They removed that from them straight away, and I thought that was a wonderful look. It certainly helped as well that the Kiwis didn't kick off afterwards as well after what happened in Melbourne. So, yeah, whoever, uh, whoever made that call was smart. Now, I've done a bit of research um, going into today, just um, trying to find some audio, and, and I found um, Brandy Alexander speaking on the Fox team after the game. Um, Brendan Smith was on that panel as well, and he, he said one thing, Brendan Smith, um, I'm actually jealous right now. I wish I was on that field. I'm so envious of my brothers that are getting to experience this. I can't wait to be back in the environment. Um, but here's Brandy Alexander talking about that performance and what it means for Kangaroos Rugby League uh, on Fox Sport. The Kiwis have uh, they've embarrassed them this afternoon. It's, it's an embarrassing result for Australian Rugby League, I, I think. For the side that we put on the field, uh, to have beaten the Kiwis last week and then to have gone down this afternoon, Cooper's right. In terms of who played well, the halves were brilliant. Brown, and that was evident very early in the piece, Dylan Brown took the defence on. Didn't open them up, but got quick play the balls, and they played off the back of that. Joey Manu got himself involved. Jerome Hughes was fantastic. 
Uh, they were great in the middle. And Tarpany, again, a real a standout for the Kiwis in the middle of the field. Charles Nickel Cookstar was as busy as ever. The wingers were great. They, they didn't have a bad player. And then off the bench, Leo Thompson was a star in the first half coming off the bench. And this man, Griffin Neem, you spoke about him, Vonnie, before kickoff. Griffin Neem doing it all on his own. And what an afternoon it's been for the Kiwis. No, sorry, no chat there, Sam, about an understrength kangaroo side. Brandy calling it as it is for the side that the kangaroos put out. This is embarrassing. And that's because they only had, what, I think we came up with three, maybe four names that could potentially have filled voids. And, and a certain Kiwis hooker would have been a walk into that team. Um, he was sitting on the panel with Cooper Cronk and Brandy and Yvonne Sampson. Uh, the word embarrassing to me, I guess... That's the key word from the weekend is that the Kangaroos and Australian Rugby League, they feel embarrassed by this. Mal Meninga alluded to that in the post-match press is saying, um, you know, this gives us the motivation to get up for the next one. But, you know, it also gives the Kiwis the motivation to prove that they're not a one-hit wonder. And we got really close in the World Cup semi-final last year. Really, really close. There were, you know, it was again, by the barest of margins, they lost that game. There can be no dispute about who the better team was on the weekend, Sam. Absolutely, and I still think, uh, as I said uh, at the start of last week, that the Melbourne scoreline, don't read into it. Don't don't look at that. the, the fact that it was, uh, what, 16, 18 points between them in the end. Those were a couple of late tries once things had got away and the Kiwis, the Kiwis had, had competed and played poorly and competed. They got themselves way better at dummy half. They got themselves in such a great position. I'm really impressed with how, how things went for the Kiwis. Looking forward to seeing how uh, they can look to back this up. And we're not done talking about this. Oh, no. Scotty Sattler will be joining us later on the show. But that was the Cream of the Thought Cop. Brought to you by Grain Corp Feed, your trusted partner for high-quality dry and liquid dairy feed options. Supplying farmers nationwide. Time for news and sport with Johnny Mack. You are listening to The Run Home thanks to MG4 Electric. High performance, range excellent from 46,990 plus ORC. Performance retailed with MG4 Electric. Well, the Black Caps, their World Cup semi-final hopes, which looked so good, so secure, now hang by a thread after Duckworth Lewis and the Pakistani top order cost them what looked like a dead set victory after the New Zealanders scored 401 on Saturday night. With one game remaining, the Black Caps need victory over Sri Lanka and hope Afghanistan lose their remaining two fixtures and Pakistan don't thump England in their final game to advance. And a lot of mathematics work, working out that one. All is not lost, but four straight losses, not exactly ideal prep for what is a must-win game and the knockout phase of the tournament. To discuss former Black Cap quick, Hamish Bennett joins us now. Appreciate your time, Hamish. So even before the rain came in the other night, Pakistan weren't exactly looking in trouble. They were on track to being able to chase down that target at that early stage. That they looked the two that are in didn't look like they're about to get out anytime soon. Yeah, good afternoon. I don't really have to say much after that intro. You sort of covered everything. It was a great intro there. Well, it's great um, to have you, Hamish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I think my time's done. Um, I think. Yeah, well, it's always hard, isn't it, that Duckworth Lewis? Because you look at it, and they when they actually did finish up, they were sort of below the rate of the required rate, and they still managed to win, obviously, with wickets in hand. You look at games like that, and teams do, they can start off well and still chase, but it only just takes a little bang-bang moment there. If the Blake Cats can get a couple of wickets, before you know it, the rate's up at over 10 and over for maybe 20, 25 overs, and then it actually becomes a really hard task for Pakistan to actually try and chase that. So you're in a great position, a fucker. Um, he played an unbelievable knock. The only chance, you know, the only time in sport you get to say that word on radio and not be punished. Um, he he um, 
he was fantastic. Played unbelievable knock and probably robbed him of getting a, a maybe a, a record uh, one day score for Pakistan as well. But I would have loved to have seen the end of that game just to see what would have happened. Yeah, and look, we have to be excited, right, by the batting effort uh, to see uh, the the incredible, the the now automatically world renowned Russian Ravinder deliver a third world World Cup century in the same tournament. This is. This is iconic status. Anyone who gets up in that kind of level is being referred to uh, amongst amongst the greats of the game. Another composed knock. Great to see Kane Williamson back. So we, we we had every reason to feel excited, Hamish. Oh, we do have every reason to be excited. I mean, I know we can beat Sri Lanka and get them and, and beat them well. So get our net run rate up there. And as you explained in the opener, we need obviously a couple other little things to go away and hopefully. The cricket gods are with us and we can um, scrape our way through the semi-finals. And I think if we can scrape our way through to there, then anything can happen. We just need to make sure that, because it's a long tournament, isn't it? You know, playing all those pool games, all the travel required, India, all the other um, outside factors you do. You know, you go see the Dalai Lama that they've done, but also all the other functions, all the charity stuff they're doing over there as well. It all takes your toll and can make players tired. So you've got to find a way if they... You know, can scrape through that semi-final of trying to freshen the group up so when they go into that game um, that they can win it because you look at that team and it could be, if, unfortunately, it could be um, the last time maybe if uh, guys represent New Zealand at a World Cup and maybe represent New Zealand in ODI cricket. We don't have an ODI in New Zealand all summer and the next World Cup's in 2027 in South Africa in February, I'm pretty sure. So it's actually not that far away if you take one home summer out of having no ODI cricket and probably not going to have much ODI cricket build-up um, to then, till then. So it's probably no point wasting games on players in that time frame um, who aren't going to be at the World Cup. So I guess that's Sam Wells' first big job as a selector. Um, can, has he got a team in mind that's going to be there in, in 2027? Who's, um, and how does that look for him moving forward picking his ODI teams? How, how, how much focus would you put on the ODI game, ODI game at all then? Why not? It's not being played. So do you really start building for that World Cup squad so far out when it's actually just not a focus whatsoever? I think you've got to build towards the age limit of it. I think you need to have a look at a group of guys, 15, 20, 20 men in, in New Zealand, and look at what age they'll be at 2027. 20, I think if you look at someone like Tim Southey, he'll probably be 39, um, something like that. So you probably optimistic that he'll be there um, so you've got to look at the group and see their ages and see where they're going to be especially if you're younger guys as well You know, someone like Rajan probably wasn't even in the thinking for 2019 uh, 2023 World Cup, sorry until Michael Bracewell did his Achilles, you know that's another name, will, will Bracewell be in that mix will, who else are the young superstars coming through New Zealand um, that, will, you know, that are Rajan's age at the moment, that are 23, that could be there um, at their World Cup in 2027, who will be 27, 28, 29 years of age and hopefully performing. So that's what I was his first big job, I guess. Well, let's take a look at what the bowling effort uh, has produced uh, this World Cup and, and, quite frankly, in the last few games as well as a priority. There hasn't been a, uh, a bowling plan that's looked particularly successful. A lot of high scores have been conceded, as well as, of course, the uh, the, the amount that they were looking to concede against Pakistan of, of 200 yeah. uh, Prior to that, we're talking about uh, conceding, what, 357 against South Africa. Australia was 388, India 274. I mean, they're leaking a lot of runs. Is is there something amiss, aside from injury, which must be uh, seen as a factor, but the, the players who are there are capable of much more? 
Yeah, I think it's pretty tough in India now to how good the wickets are. It's always going to be the, the story of the World Cup. The wickets haven't had that um, volume of cricket on them as a normal World Cups do when you play them in February or March. And spin probably hasn't become, in most of the games, hasn't been as big a factor as maybe one first thought. So I think it's just down to execution. I think the plans are always probably okay. It's just about your execution, I think, and, and just having more bowling options for us. I think last the last um, game against Pakistan, I was surprised to see uh, Jimmy Neesham not pick um, and also an option to be used, um, especially considering we only played two pace bowlers. So once our spin was getting hit, um, at the end there, we sort of had nothing to go back to because we couldn't use Tim and Trent um, too early because you needed some of their overs for the back end if it didn't rain. So I always think you need sort of maybe three seam um, options. I know there's Daryl Mitchell there, but he's probably more given the ball in an SOS sort of situation or if things definitely aren't working. So I think it comes more down to that execution. I think it's definitely a bat-first tournament and then try and defend your score. looks pretty hard to restrict teams um, that have been batting first. But one of the best-performed uh, bowlers for New Zealand's tournament has been Glenn Phillips. I mean, I know he didn't uh, get any chocolates. Very few did uh, against Pakistan, but... He's become more than a circuit breaker. He's been chucked the ball for 10 overs already in, in a game this uh, so far in this tournament. Yeah, well, he's worked really hard at, it, at his bowling ever since he made his debut. And, you know, pretty talented guy, can throw both arms. Haven't seen him bowl both arms, but he probably can. <laughs> Obviously, he can wicket keep pretty well. Obviously, power hitter. He's worked really hard at his bowling over the last four or five years. Um, hence, he made the move down to Otago. Um, obviously, wanted to play with his brother, but also wanted to bowl more overs as well. So... Um, and then you've got to give credit to the guy. He's gone out and worked really hard at his bowling to try and become an option. And, and I guess going into this World Cup, especially with Bracewell um, not being available due to his Achilles, he, he was our off-spinning option. I think, like you said, he's done a, he's done a great job. Probably surprised, uh, surprised a few of the, the fans, but I guess the people sort of um, that were picking the team inside the, the camp knew they had he'd come off one or two games um, if conditions, were suit, uh, conditions suited, and, and they have, so... I'm pretty happy for him, and hopefully it may continue. Now, you've got to be a real train spotter to have paid, to really have, have cared about this through the, the context, but the simple fact of the matter is those who, uh, who are in the know have been keeping an eye on the net run rate as we go. Do you think that is going to decide a final spot for somebody, hopefully New Zealand? Um, I think it probably will at some point. It's going to decide... Um, the semi-final spot, it always does decide something net run rate, it always comes into it at some point, I haven't um, been too much of a train spotter and keep my eye, eye on it too much, I just prefer to win games and leave that sort of stuff take care of itself, but I guess if um, New Zealand do that second against Sri Lanka, then they'll be trying to get their total within pretty quick time to make sure that it makes it pretty hard for um, the other teams to, to pass them due to net run rate, so it's, I guess it's something that always makes the end of the the pool play exciting because teams have to take the game on um, to try and make the semi-finals. Yes, so New Zealand uh, sitting in fourth at uh, 0.398 for the net run rate, and that uh, that, net, that net run rate is what currently keeps them above Pakistan of uh, plus 0.036, so a comfortable margin there. And Afghanistan have got two games to go in a real dark horse here. Uh, they are negative 0.330, so run, net run rate's not going to help them, but do you see any world where Afghanistan get a couple of upset wins and find themselves into the semi-finals of the Cricket World Cup at the expense of New Zealand? I think Afghanistan's done tremendous in this tournament. I think it's great to see them on the world stage doing really well. 
off the top of my head, I think they've got Australia and South Africa left. Is that correct? So I think um, for them to beat Australia and South Africa, I think that's a pretty tough ask, to be honest. But um, if, they, if, they, if they can beat those two teams, they deserve a spot in the, in the oh, semi-finals. Of course they, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course they do. Um, but I, I can't see them beating um, either of those sides, to be honest. But if they do, then I'll be cheering for them to win the thing because it would be absolutely amazing. I think the World Cup and the conditions are set up for... Afghanistan with their three spin bowlers and a little bit of their batting as well. So I think it's great as a nation to see them um, going well in, in cricket and it would be great to see them probably tour more of the Western countries as well heading into that South African World Cup so then they're more of a contender there as well. So while uh, New Zealand's fighting for their life to uh, pull through and hold that spot, India just keep being India uh, in the, the greatest way possible. Another record equaling uh, stat for Virat Kohli, uh, equaling Sachin Tendulkar with 49 international ID 100s. The, the guy, the guy's clearly a talented freak, but jeez, it, it, you put yourself in dangerous territory, even if you're Virat Kohli, if you try and take a, a record of uh, Sachin Tendulkar in India. Yeah, yeah, well, I think he's going to end up scoring the most ODI 100s, isn't he? He's going to pass them um, in, the, in that format. He's, he's absolutely, like he's absolute freak. He's Unbelievable banner, and they just keep producing them in there. And they've got, you know, Shubman Gill's coming through as well, who's going to be unbelievable. He's going to finish with a pretty good record as well. And they said the Indian, the Indian bus just keeps rolling on. They look like they're going to be pretty hard to beat. I guess for New Zealand, it's, you know, if we do make the semi-finals, we've probably got a semi-final against India. So that's going to be pretty hard for us. But we do have a good history against India and World Cups. Like, you know, Pakistan have got a good history against us at World Cups. So hopefully... Um, Hopefully we can make the semi-final and do maybe one of the greatest upsets in uh, Cricket World Cup history. Some massive days coming for this Black Cap side and the makeup of this tournament. Hamish Bennett, former Black Cap, really grateful for your time on this one and uh, looking forward to hopefully a big win over Sri Lanka to get this bus back on track. Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, hopefully we'll be tuning in for a semi-final at some point. It'll be bloody good. Cannot wait. Bring it on. Uh, coming up later on, that's the weekend scorecard. In fact, it's next. We're going to rate some of the highs, lows, and otherwise of another great weekend of sport. The weekend scorecard on the run home. Ah, it's my favourite time of the week uh, where I get these two chaps. Uh, it's going to be uh, Sam Ackerman and Jacob J Dog Scott today uh, to rate the uh, sporting weekends to give us a grade. And Sammy, I'm going to start with you. One chance nickel clock start. Oh, look, chance nickel clock start is a hundred percent effort guy every week. I, I he, he obviously didn't play to the peak of his powers in Melbourne. Uh, having a busted rib, taking on an international footy side from fullback will do that to you. But the how deep he dug and the performance he put on, I'll, I'll give it a, a, an A to A plus. Mm. I, I, I don't think it was a flawless game, but. Jeez, it's, he is just a phenomenon. You can see the emotion in his speech afterwards, what it meant to him as well. I don't think I've ever seen anyone give a longer acceptance speech for a, yeah. for a man of the match medal. He, he, was, he, was, he was into it. I'll give it an A. And uh, Jacob, move to you for Michael Madge Maguire. Uh, what are we giving Madge for his game plan? Oh, well, I mean, if if, uh, if Sam Ackerman's opinion is anything to judge uh, from the top of the show there, uh, definitely an A+. Definitely. Uh, yeah, continuation of, of last week and 
keeping the same players out in the park, you know, yeah, an A+. plus. An A-plus for Madge from J-Dog. Uh, moving on to Sam Ackerman. Uh, Cameron Munster, probably Australia's key player on the weekend, alongside Harry Grant, uh, was – he tried hard, but uh, not hard enough. Where are we going for Cam Munster, Sammy? Uh- I'm going to give him a, uh, a C for performance, uh, and I'm going to give him an A-plus for suggesting that we need the Anzac test back, um, that we need to see more international rugby league. So Cameron Munster, look, he's, he's a, um, a Queenslander and an Australian and played for the Storm, so these are things that count against him in the popularity stakes for me. Jacob, the Black Ferns, uh, they uh, lost, what, 33-19, I think it was. They did have a period in the second half where it looked like they were going to stage a remarkable comeback, but uh, not good on the night. What are you rating the Black Ferns on this scorecard? Uh, considering it's the rematch of the uh, World Cup final of last year, I'm going to go easy on them, uh, considering they lost the game, so I'm, I'm just going to give them a C. A, a C. A pass. All right. Not great. Sam Ackerman, Max Verstappen uh, wins his 15th of the last 16 races, his 17th race of the season, uh, unbelievable season, uh, history-making season, wins again this morning and the sprint race yesterday. What are we rating, Max? I'll give him a, uh, I'll give him a D as far as interest in Formula 1 it's goes and someone dominates like this, <laughs> but as far as his performance, you've got to give it, you know, that's uh, uh, by his standards, an A- minus perhaps? Yeah, let's give the sport a D because, well, actually, let's give the rest of the field a D because they need to do better because Max Verstappen is outperforming his teammate by almost a second a lap. Uh, the Black Caps bowlers, Jacob, giving up 200 runs and 24 overs. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's a sorry sight. I'm going to give them a D plus. They've just missed the mark. They've not, they've not passed. I mean, we scored 200, so yeah. our batters did the job. 400. They just, yep. Sorry, 400. Uh, we just had to, you know, restrict them, especially with the bad weather. And finally, Sammy, YouTube for pulling Rob Moody, as in Rob Belinda, as uh, cricket channel, which to me is the worst story of the weekend. Oh, it's an F. It's uh, I understand that people own rights, but he's not taking rights away from you. Well done for killing future interest in the game. Well done. It's it's a, it's a, a foolish move, but you know what is what does YouTube care? I, I hope that someone like the ICC is smart enough to get in there and back it up. One hundred percent attention, ICC. Back up, Rob Moody. That is your weekend scorecard for another week. The run home with Sam Ackerman back very very shortly. Approaching the five o'clock news here on the run home, uh, and lads in the producers booth, thanks to get your views on this. We uh, we know that Sam Kane is finally going to learn his fate from uh, an international rugby judiciary regarding that send off, that tackle. From the Rugby World Cup final, what do we think it's worth? What I'm I'm going to put it out there for two weeks. I reckon he's going to need a couple of weeks for it. I can't give him nothing because suddenly New Zealand will be up in arms that if it's not worth a ban, surely he shouldn't be sent off at all. So they're going to give him something, but they can't they can't berate the poor man. I think he'll get a week, um, and then he'll get like go to tackling school, and uh, he'll get a he'll get that week shaved off, and will serve no time. Yeah, um, if they have tackling tackling school in Japan, I'm sure they do. Um, I, th- I think three get shaved off to one. I mean, it's not going to impact Suntory's decision to sign him, so I mean, it's kind of irrelevant, really. No, I think I think we can all agree the dude needs to can uh, have a little break from being bashed around with this tackle. We'll be closing of a chapter from Let's Hope after the break. Scotty Sattler to look at things from the Australian point of view, but first it's news and sport with Johnny Mac. We're stinking! Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Marsh combining with Jones after CU2. You gave them an opportunity. Here's Jones in his place. Jones is inside the 10. Jones scores. New Zealand 11. 
New Zealand are level. This wonderful halfback, Stacey Jones, has opened them up. Welcome back to The Run Home. All thanks to Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourite straight to your door. The audio you heard before about the uh, streaking through the quad, that's not actually from old school. That was me on Saturday night, um, right after uh, an astounding performance in Hamilton. Uh, that, that was how I was reacting to it. Uh, thankfully, uh, no one had to be a witness to uh, that result. Everyone's too excited about what was going on otherwise. But... Jeez, if anything's going to make me want to strip down naked and go running around the streets, uh, it will be a Kiwis win. Certainly a Kiwis win like that. Cannot wait to talk a little bit more about that. Let's get the Macca's menu to see exactly what we've got ahead. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. Talking to uh, league great Scotty Sattler at a moment. We've got We Need to Talk coming up later on. The only time that I allow someone to uh, say that to me without making plans to be somewhere else. MG Take Charge, performer of the weekend. Some wonderful contenders across our New Zealand performing teams as well as a TAB update with Paul Moate. That's uh, the Macca's menu brought to you by Mick Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. This is The Run Home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Now, we talked last week on the show about the terrible sound of the kangaroos mutilating their team song uh, in the sheds in Melbourne, how I never wanted to hear that again. And I definitely didn't want to hear that coming out of the bowels of FMG Stadium in Hamilton. Well, the Kiwis did us all a favour and sure that wasn't the case. 30 to nil. So I think it's only fair to make sure we can get a little insight and listen to what it sounds like inside a victorious Kiwis dressing shed. <laughs> That is a thing of beauty. Now, obviously, we're reveling in it out here, but what's the reaction on the other side of the ditch? And to find out, we're joined by the hosts of uh, Sports Day on SEN. You'll hear it on here on SENZ from 8 o'clock tonight, so we had to listen in as well. Scotty Sattler joins us. Uh, Scotty, good afternoon. Appreciate your time. Now, that was one for the ages. It was. It definitely was. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I've got, I got to say... You know, I'm very disappointed as an Australian, the the performance that we put up. But, um, Sammy, I've got to say, there's a part of me that also says that, one, it's it's great for rugby league. Two, you know, the, the results that haven't gone New Zealand's way over the past with, um, you know, with the Rugby World Cup and the cricket, the way that's been going of late, uh, there hasn't been a, a lot of success there at the moment. So there's a part of me that's and my wife being from the South Island, there's a part of me that said, you know what, it's, this is good for the game because not only, not only were Australia outclassed, they were outmuscled, I just, I just think spiritually um, the, the Kiwis were really connected on Saturday and it, was, and it was great to watch. And I'm a huge Michael Maguire fan. I, I, I really like Michael Maguire as a coach. I equally like him as a, as a human being as well. So... I'm really glad for his success. In the past 18 years, there have been some great years uh, for rugby league in this country. But given the Warriors' performance, you were over here, uh, Sats, we had in studio talking uh, ahead of the uh, the Warriors' awards. You felt the vibe over here. ahead After what the Warriors achieved and now the Kiwis turning this on and putting on not just a win but a dominant history-making performance, 
this is as good a year for rugby league in this country. And I say that respectfully to uh, to the years Warriors have made grand finals and the Kiwis have won the World Cup, but across both the international and the NRL level at the same time. Yeah, I think you're right. And what's happened over the last 12 months with the Warriors and now with this win and with the last, the last official game of the season, it's a really good time on the back of that season, 2023, to strike while the iron's hot. Now, I know rugby has always been, it's all been, always been part of it. It always will be part of the staple diet of every Kiwi, and so it should be as well, I've got to say. You know, we've got to celebrate, you know, the greatest sporting organisation in the world. And but there's a really good opportunity here for, for rugby league to start to, to try and get a really good footprint in the South Island as well. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a good time. And I know that both codes don't like, like to sit side by side, but a really good opportunity on the back of the Warriors to, to really try and take advantage of it now and, and try and... You know, I know Simon Mannering, the, the former Kiwi great, lives in Nelson in the South Island, and you know, there's, a, there's a perfect man that, that maybe the Warriors or New Zealand Rugby League can, can start to use as a bit of a flag bearer to ensure that the Rugby League can get um, you know, some real cut through, especially down the South Island. Oh, he's an icon. You're right, he is uh, living down that way. But I can also tell you, Seth, that he will, if anyone tries to put a spotlight on him, he will induce a nationwide power cut to turn that spotlight off. <laughs> exactly. He'll, he'll exactly. suddenly regain his pace from his centre days. But I want to talk to you about how it's been reacted, uh, the reaction, sorry, has been on your side of the Tasman. On social media, we've seen a lot of angry responses like this is the end of some careers. It's even called the sack Melmaninga. I mean, that's sacrilege in Australia. There's been a lot of vitriol, hasn't there, uh, in some quarters after a, a performance like that? There's a really good saying. Um, there's a really good saying that if uh, if you had a really nice shiny car, the Kiwi a Kiwi neighbour will try and wash it for you while you're away. But in Australia, they'll try and scratch it. And uh, that's what happens to us a lot with our, a lot of our sporting codes, that we are very quick to get on our, um, our uh, right sitting at the top of the, of the pyramid and think that we are almighty. And uh, I've got to say, we, we, um, we don't have a great empathy for our national teams when they lose. We see what's going through with the Wallabies at the moment. We went through it with the Australian cricket at one stage where everyone wasn't happy with Pat Cummins and and his captaincy, and, and now we're seeing with the Kangaroos, who have been so dominant for a number of years. And, um, but I, I think to, it's very easy for, for us as Australians to sit there and say, all these careers are, are over and wearing the green and gold. And I think, admittedly, there may be a couple that might find it difficult to get back in the side again. But in saying that, the ones that we're talking about, yeah, Tedesco's and Daly Cherry Evans and Cameron Munsters and co., I mean, they've been superstars in that green and gold jumper for many, many years and deserve to be. And, but I think also we've got to give credit to, we've got to give credit to the Kiwis and just how superb they were on the day and just didn't allow anyone, any Australian player, to really have any impact in the game whatsoever. So it's not a matter of Australian players not turning up. It's a matter of Australian players only being able to do what they're able to be allowed to, what, to be allowed to do whatever they can um, which is not much because the Kiwis nullified everything. They were magnificent, the Kiwis. I'll tell you what surprised me. I, I, first of all, I applaud the honesty of it's, uh, how he actually viewed things. Cameron Munster post-match saying that there was some complacency 
uh, in their performance and within their build-up. Now, as somebody who fought tooth and nail for every jersey you've represented, uh, Scott, including Queensland, it must stick in the craw to hear that an Australian side could possibly enter a, a game of that magnitude with any complacency in them. Yeah, I, I, that really shocked me, actually, um, because Mal's not that sort of coach. You know, Mal's the guy that continually reminds you. And I, I was watching some really good footage uh, only a few days ago uh, around the All Blacks, and it was Sir John Kerwin being told that when he was given his All Blacks debut jersey, he said, this is only on loan. And that's been famous in, in All Black uh, All Black stories, hasn't it? That it's only on loan. and. And Mal Meninga has really introduced that to the, the Kangaroos as well. This jersey's on loan. doesn't matter whether you played 20 or 30 tests. Uh, this is, you know, you've got to be a good man to, to, to wear this and you've got to wear it admirably as well, uh, both on and off the field. So be ready for battle any time that this jersey is handed to you. And unfortunately for a few of the Australian players, uh, that wasn't the case. And they tried hard, Australia, but unfortunately for Australia, they were met by a force of black and white jerseys that were never going to be penetrated. And I feel as though taking the game to Hamilton, and admittedly the crowd from a, you know, an aesthetic point of view on TV didn't look great. And of course that's going to be discussed at, at, um, at a higher level uh, with the governing bodies. But in saying that, taking it to Hamilton, which was a, you know, a regional ground, a suburban sort of suburban regional stadium, I felt as though and I said this before the game, Sammy, that it was always going to sit in favour of the Kiwis just because of that spiritual and emotional connection to the community rather than the big stadiums like your, you know, your Olympic Stadium in Australia and your Allianz Stadium. But to be able to take it back to those, those stadiums in Australia where your, your community feels a lot more connected and, and vice versa, the players feel a lot more connected to the community as well, it was really always going to be a really tough ask for Australia. No, listen, I agree. Uh, just for, for context with that stadium as well, um, Satch, which you won't have a lot of experience with, that the, the, the camera side was always going to be the empty side because it's the sun in your eyes spot. They sell all the seats on the other side. Everyone comes around. So it, it certainly didn't look great through the, uh, the TV viewing, but those were there said the, uh, the atmosphere was completely raucous. It was uh, a great held by all. So, yeah, doesn't look great, but I'd maintain that 13,000 made a whole lot more noise uh, than they did uh, when you heard from the Melbourne crowd uh, the week before as well, which was 20,000. And I, I maintain if that was New Zealand versus Tonga, I reckon that ground sold out. So um, not disrespecting the kangaroos. Yep. It's just, it's not that there's no appetite for it down here. But it's also, you know, after the, the World Cup final and the result in Melbourne, I think a lot of casual fans might have thought, do you know what? I, I can't I can't bear myself to, to, to um, sit, taking a, a mate down, spending a hundred bucks for seats to watch us lose another game to somebody else. So I don't think at $4 outsiders on the TAB here, I think there was uh, some factors that led into it, but geez, you can't you can't stop playing international rugby league because of the size of the crowds. If, if anything, I think you need to play more to to build that and get people used to having it and wanting it around. Yeah, you know, it was interesting hearing after the game where you got uh, Ronaldo Mulatalo, who I've got to say it's the best game he's ever played in a black oh. and white jersey. Um, he was outstanding, one of the best players on the field, saying, you know, Peter Volandis, we need all more international rugby league. The, the Kiwis get to sit back and watch. You know, the marquee game, which is State of Origin, and we don't get to play too much international rugby league. And, and I love to hear that from the players. Now they've got to back it up with their players' association and say, we want to play more tests. Don't talk about workload. 
Don't let sports science get involved and tell us that we've got too many games on our schedule. If you want to wear your international jersey, the players have got to drive this and the Rugby League Players Association have got to drive it. And they've got to sit side by side with the NRL and bring more international rugby league to the fans. Now, I'm not talking about Australia versus New Zealand. I'm talking about Australia, New Zealand versus Tonga, New Zealand versus Samoa, uh, New Zealand versus Papua New Guinea, Fiji, uh, some of these other countries that are trying to be powerhouses themselves. I think that's the representative rugby league we've got to see. It's the end of the clubs, though, isn't it, Seth? They, they hate the idea of releasing players uh, to these games because of the fear of injury. Uh, they want to have them uh, peaking for uh, their season rather than getting too excited in the middle of the year. They understand origin. It's a cash cow for, for, for them as well and helps them put backsides on seats as, in general too. But the, when there is so many roadblocks, it, it feels like people in Australia don't give a toss about International Rugby League. Clearly you do. Uh, the players who wear the jersey do. But those making decisions seem to have been able to hold the game internationally to ransom for ages. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and you've hit the nail on the head there, Sammy, where the clubs, they don't benefit from it at all from a, a monetary point of view when it comes to international rugby league. Not as much as what, obviously, Origin, which is the, the flagship. That's the, that's the blue chip event for broadcasting deals when they get negotiated, whatever that may be. So... How we, how we try and bridge that gap, I'm not quite sure. Smarter people than me um, have better answers to that. But all I know is that once upon a time, wearing the green and gold jersey, and it is again, I should say, Mal Meninga has made that a priority again for players. Once upon a time, it was, it was Origin was the pinnacle as a player. But Mal has reintroduced wearing the green and gold as the pinnacle for every player. And I love that. But we've got to be able to bridge that gap and ensure that that International Rugby League has got to be one of the biggest days on the calendar because uh, those scenes that we saw over the years of New Zealand versus Tonga and Australia versus Tonga in New Zealand and um, you know Australia versus Samoa, the World Cup final last year, and that's that's all we want to see if we want to continue to strengthen the game. And, and it can only be driven through the playing group. That's the only people that can drive it because at the moment, some of the players, some small portion of the players are looking for a reason not to play rugby league but still be paid the most amount of money they possibly can. So it doesn't work both ways. I'm with you. As a Panthers man, uh, James Fisher-Harris's step up as captain, uh, phenomenal. Do you know what? I think there's a, there's a decent chance he's in the running for the golden boot for the International Rugby League Player of the Year. Well, I've got to say, it's a good point you make because a lot of people probably mightn't realise that the golden boot, the best player of the year, is not judged on the NRL season, it's judged oh. on international rugby league. And that's why sometimes we've seen, I remember one year, an English winger won it. And I thought, I thought now wingers should never win any award in anything, but to win the <laughs> Golden Boot, it's quite amazing. So, But I think you're right, James Fisher-Harris, not only the season that he had, but the leadership that he's had with this side. I, I text Stephen Price, the assistant coach to Michael Maguire on Saturday night, and much as it hurt as an Aussie, Losing that game, I texted him because he's one of the real good guys, Michael McGuire and Stephen Price. I said, you know, congratulations, Pricey. Um, you know, a lot of hard work, yada, yada, yada. And his answer back was, you know, thanks very much, Sats. Really appreciate it. Our skipper is a gem. Now, not a lot of people know a lot about James Fisher-Harris. He's, you know, he flies under the radar. We know what sort of competitor he is. But we don't know a lot about him because he's, he's a silent assassin. You know, he, he's very quiet off the field. He leads by example. But I think this 
leadership and this captaincy that he's taken on has, as in, I suppose, allowed him to come out of his shell a little bit. And I thought his speech, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now, I thought his speech at the end of the game where he, he thanked the opposition, he thanked um, the organisers, but then he spoke in Maori tongue as well. I thought that was a very special touch the other day. A, a guy that's really in tune with his, you know, with his country, his heritage, and um, he's going to be a man that's going to captain that country for many, many years. His final words, New Zealand stand up, this is our time. He wasn't talking about this game sets. He genuinely, there's a genuine belief within this Kiwis that this is a new generational change in the guard, just like it was when the 24-0 result happened in 2005. It built this belief that led to a maiden World Cup win. Do... I'm sure Australia will be hungry, right? And you guys will be talking on that side of the Tasman that they'll be, you know, champing at the bit. They've got New Zealand side that's got their tail up now, though. This is this could be the rebirth of of that battle that we've seen uh, starting to poke its head out in the in the past decade or so. Really good opportunity for New Zealand Rugby League to work alongside the Warriors as well. Now I know there's not a a healthy relationship there, but there needs to be, and this is a great opportunity for both parties to try and capitalise on this when it comes to developing their their players are going to be playing in five, six, eight, ten years' time in a black and white jersey. But also it gives a really good opportunity. I love seeing the Warriors. I love seeing the New Zealand national side and and when there's a, a majority of Warriors players in there as well. And I think with the success of the Warriors this year, I think we're going to start slowly seeing that return as well. So... Um, all is on the up for New Zealand representative rugby league, but we can't rest on, you know, I shouldn't say we, they shouldn't rest on their laurels. They need to capitalise, you know, over the next 12 to 24 months and how they can continue to build. If you want to learn the anthem, mate, we'll adopt you. It's okay. You can become one of our sats. We'll allow it, mate. Your uh, your wife gets you halfway there and your love of the Warriors uh, will get you across the line too. Should be an interesting uh, interesting afternoon for you for Talkback, I'd say. Do you reckon it'll be uh, a lot of uh, angry Kangaroos fans or will there be ambivalence? How is it going to be met? Oh, no, no. There'll be a lot of vitriol. That's just the way the Australian sports fan... If, and, it's, and, you know, of course, Sports Day goes into New Zealand as well, so we're going to... I you know, love their input on double eight, double three when they want to get involved in sports day tonight. And, and just on the uh, New Zealand national anthem, I know it. I don't know the Maori version. I, I'm going to try and learn it, but I do know. Um, and when I sing it uh, on New, Australia versus New Zealand, my co-commentators always say to me, "What are you singing the New Zealand national anthem for?" Is because my wife made me know, made me learn it. <laughs> Loving your wife even more. I'll call the Governor General. We'll get on to it. Uh, Scott Sattler, appreciate your time. Looking forward to hearing you from 8 o'clock tonight here on SNZ with Sport Day. Time for a TAB live catch-up now. Get involved with SNZ's Cup Week Punters Club. Head to your TAB app or the TAB website. You go to the racing tab. You'll find our Punters Club buy-in right there. It is R18, of course. So bet responsibly. Bring in big money Moate now. Poor Moate now. I've been waiting to ask you about this. Please tell me you guys took a bath on backing the Kiwis out as outsiders at $4. There's plenty of very, very happy and very, very rich punters out there this, after the performance on the weekend by the Kiwis. Yeah, um, the bookies put them out there at around uh, $4.15. I think they may have even drifted slightly just before kickoff uh, to win that match against the uh, Kangaroos. And boy, oh boy, 
did they ever do it? Those who backed them 13 and over, well done. Um, I just, uh, look, I, I thought the plus 12 and a half at the point start was an absolute gift, but for them to win and win by that margin and keep the kangaroo scoreless um, was just an uh, just a crazy, crazy performance by the Kiwis and um, thoroughly deserved their win. And the punters who backed them thoroughly deserved their winnings. You wouldn't have been able to open a book at 30-0 as a scoreline either. So that is, uh, is, it's huge. Uh, and I'm, I'm listen, uh, as, as wonderful as the win was, I was thinking $4. What a gift. Thank, thank you very much, TAB, on that one. Now, I need to talk about, uh, of course, the biggest event uh, on the calendar. Uh, tomorrow is Melbourne Cup Day. We're taking the, live, uh, the race live right here on the run home. So do not miss that. Be tuning in for your day to catch uh, that one. Where are we sitting now with the uh, the odds? And, and certainly people always look for the Kiwi connections at this time, Paulie. Yeah, unfortunately, no uh, Kiwi uh, train runners. Uh, ladies man trained by Al, Alan Sherrock um, was just missed out on qualification, being number uh, 25th in order of entry. So just missing out on the Melbourne Cup, unfortunately, for connections of ladies man. Uh, but there are still... Um, a number of sort of Kiwi angles that we can look at. Of course, James McDonald, uh, arguably the best jockey in the world. He's riding the defending champ, number one, Gold Trip. Uh, Gold Trip opened up, I think, around $4.50. It's now drifted out to $7. So it's getting to a very, very backable price. Um, look, the defending champ has had a wonderful, wonderful build-up too uh, tomorrow. Won the Turnbull over 2,000 metres at Flemington and then put in some massive runs to finish third in the Caulfield Cup and fifth in the Cox Plate. So certainly a huge, huge chance. And with James McDonald on board, of course, he won back in 2021 aboard Very Elegant uh, and it was an absolute peach of a ride. If he can give Gold Trip a similar ride, then he'll be riding it at the end. Um, if you head to our Melbourne Cup hub, on our website, you can find all sorts of boosted odds, novelty bets, power plays. There'll be something for everyone. In fact, the boys have put out a Mother Mac v J-Mac um, novelty bet. Uh, J-Mac, of course, riding Gold Trip. And his mother uh, bred Virtuous Circle, who is another runner uh, in the Melbourne Cup. And she also part owns Virtuous Circle. So the boys have put out a head-to-head between Virtuous Circle and Gold Trip just to see who the best McDonald is uh, in the family. So uh, Gold Trip is $1.13 in that head-to-head battle. Virtuous Circle, $5. Uh, check out the power plays. We've got a bonus back promotion on the first four races um, at uh, Wingatui, uh, Flemington, um, I forget, what is it, uh, Rose Hill, and... Let's just check. I just want to make sure I've got this right. And Pukekohe. So Wingatui, Pukekohe, uh, Ranwick and Flemington. The first four races tomorrow are all bonus back races. So a chance for you to build a wee bit of a bank before the Melbourne Cup kicks off at 5 o'clock our time. Now, we know the uh, the run home uh, audience is very well versed in their racing. Some wonderful tips always come through for Beeves Best, and they, we know we know they love their racing. But for those listening who aren't so big on the racing, and that's obviously a massive race tomorrow, and they want to go to the work site, they want to go to the office, they want to go to school, wherever they are tomorrow, and be able to show that they know what they're talking about as far as a punter. Who who do they need to name drop as the, uh, the horse that's going to make them look smart? 
Well, the favourite at the moment is uh, Vauban, uh, trained by Woolly uh, Mullins. Um, it's an ex, uh, well, it's a hurdler uh, from the UK, uh, bred in France. Um, and, and look, Woolly Mullins has done this before. He bought Max Dynamite over a few years ago, an ex hurdler, and Max Dynamite uh, ran second and third in a couple of Melbourne Cups. So uh, almost there. He's trying to do it again this year, uh, Willie Mullins, with Vauban number five, your favourite in the Melbourne Cup, uh, but has drifted slightly since opening up. Still the favourite, though, but the stablemate, absurd, number seven, um, opened up at $26, now into $10. Yikes. We've taken a whole heap of money on absurd. Uh, another French stayer out of the Willie Mullins uh, stable, uh, and he put in a huge performance to win the Ebor Handicap um, over in the UK before travelling over to Australia. The two mile won't uh, two miles won't be a problem for Absurd. And the fact that we've taken a bit of money on him at this stage, as opposed to his stablemate, the favourite Vauban, just suggests to me there's a bit of uh, confidence in the stable around number seven Absurd. Yeah, as the punters have got on that as well, stand to win an absurd amount of money, I'd say, as well. Paul Mawadi, appreciate your time as always, mate. A big day tomorrow, rest up and go well. Of course, you can buy into SNZ's Cup Week Punters Club. Head to your TAB app or the TAB website. Go to the racing tab, you'll find our Punters Club to get involved with. It is the best week in New Zealand racing, so do not miss out. R18 and bet responsibly. It's time now for News and Sports with John McNeil. Welcome back. You're listening to The Run Home. It is time now for our MG Take Charge Performer of the Weekend brought to you by MG. MG4 Electric High Performance Range Excellence from 46,990 plus ORC. Nice drive. Glorious drive again from the young man. Found the gap. And four. Ravindra moves on to 47. Comes back for two. What a wonderful tournament Ratchin Ravindra is having. His third half century. How good is that? That's a ramp plus. That was a quick delivery and adjusted himself very, very late and played it over the wicketkeepers. Oh, that's big! That is some hit in the top tier. There's the pull shot, gets a hundred. Take a bow. First batsman to score three centuries in debut World Cup. He is some talent. Sensational innings. A star is born. Absolutely is. Russian Ravindra and lads, uh, we, we're running out of superlatives on him and the World Cup isn't even over yet. Imagine if he steps up in some of these big games as well. I am, like many, uh, he's, he has locked himself in as uh, an iconic member of this team for years to come. It, it, I know it's early his career, superlatives are kind of a, a waste of time uh, when you're so young, but I just can't imagine a scenario that would ever lead to this guy being dropped from the New Zealand side. Yeah, nor can, I, nor can I, Sam. I mean, I was just talking to you while we were off air then. I mean, is he is he our moment, moment of the year for the Halbergs, like young player of the year? Um, he, he, deserve, he deserves to get nominated for um, something. You, uh, honestly, if he produces another ton, then maybe it's not enough already. He could be up for Sportsman of the Year. 
Yeah, I think so. 100%. We've, seen, we've, seen, we've seen players uh, get dominated from cricket on almost a, a regular basis, be it Brent McCullum, uh, Brett Kane-Williamson. Uh, if he can be the person who steps up and leads this team to something special from here, he, he could be up for a helper for sure. Struggling to think of a tournament where someone scored four centuries in an ODI World Cup. Uh, no, no. Five, nothing comes to I, I know that uh, there's definitely been occurrences where many players have scored three. So if he gets a ton in this game against Sri Lanka, uh, ends up le- ending the tournament as the run- leading run scorer, 101 million percent would he be in contention for the Halberg as sportsman of the year? Or would he win it? Probably not. But he'd definitely be in contention. Yeah, no, she's a, she's a, hard to leave him out of con- consideration right now. But uh, 2023, we've talked about how it's been a massive year for rugby league. I don't think anyone's ever going to forget it as a year that Russian Ravinda announced himself on the world stage and hopefully for many years to come. That is our MG Take Charge performer of the weekend. The all-new MG4 Electric pushes the boundaries of EV innovation. Seven-year warranty from 46990 plus ORC. My brothers, what a campaign. From week one, we had that belief. We knew that we could go all the way and get this result. Um, man, to make these memories with you, I wouldn't have it any other way. You guys are world-class athletes, and I'm just learning each and every day from you, brother. So, lot, hopefully, lots and lots more memories like this to come. Just want to thank my wife and kids. The man upstairs, James 1, 2-4, talks about perseverance. Leading perseverance, going through all those challenges, help you mold your character to be who you are today to build perseverance. And for everyone, hopefully I can be an example of never giving up, always pushing through and always giving your best. Thanks for everyone coming out supporting us. I can't wait to do it again next year. Let's go. Chance Nickel Clock starred there. Uh, and the young, he is an inspiration to young men and women and old men and women everywhere, quite frankly. He's a, uh, he's a phenomenal athlete, uh, got the heart of a champion and he's a lovely bloke off the field. It's, it's it's exhausting. I'm, I'm kind of sick of these athletes who have uh, kind of got it all as well as being champion people. At least there was previously flaws in them because they say, well, they seem, they seem like dickheads. So at least, you know, I've, but no, chance is perfect. It's, uh, it's terrifying. Sam, I just um, want to share a story with you about Sean's Nickel Clockstad. Um, and uh, earlier this year, I was uh, along with, very publicly, along with a whole bunch of other people made redundant at another, a former radio station at another company. And um, that weekend, myself and Mark Paird were going to have Sean's Little Clock State on the show. We're going to do a pre-record with him that Thursday morning. Um, and obviously... <laughs> that didn't come about, uh, and I, I spoke with the Warriors media manager, Richard Beck, and said, hey, mate, um, just have to can that interview with Shans. Um, and he texted me, never spoken to this guy before in my life, um, and he texted me and says, hey, mate, I'm really sorry to hear about what happened to you guys today. The sun always comes up next day, and I know bigger things are on the horizon for you and your whanau. Have a good rest of your week, guys. Um, stay, stay, stay safe. And I was just like, Wow. You know, like that is a dude I've never spoken to in my life. And he asked Bechti for my phone number, reached out and uh, and made contact with me. And for me, that was um, that was a really, really nice moment and something that will stick with me for a long, long time. Very early in his career, he was in a shoe shop and he uh, saw a young man eyeballing a, a pair of shoes uh, and uh, didn't, you know, it kind of came to pass that he was trying to find some new ones. He needed them uh, for, for um, whatever he wanted to do with uh, with school 
Chance uh, got to talking to him, kind of noted that it seemed like getting a, a nice pair might have been potentially out of reach. Um, so he went and bought uh, the shoes on the quiet, gave it to the mum and left. Uh, not looking for anything. It's just the only reason we know about that because the mum came out of her way to make sure she told the story of this young man. He was literally a game or two into his first grade career. This isn't a, a, a superstar throwing money around. Uh, this is a young man who's had the uh, the right attitude from from a long time. So any success that Chance Tuckle-Klukstad ever has, I am uh, I'm there to cheer because he's a, um, a young man that not many athletes, Brad, and, and you'll know this, uh, that you'd say I'd want to be an actual role model for my kids. I hate making athletes role models, but Chance Nickel Klukstad, the man, I'm more than happy for him to be a role model for any of my young ones. And here, here to that, obviously. Right, Brad, now, uh, in, in any context, if you get to see uh, two people sit down and say, we need to talk, you'd either feel a bit <laughs> awkward about it or you'd listen in to try to work out what's going on. So we're going to pull back the curtain uh, and you're asking me that said question. We do. Uh, Sam, we need to talk. We need to talk about Kane Williamson's captaincy after the restart against Pakistan. The context, uh, basically, they came back on the field and East Sodi and Glenn Phillips were bowling, I believe, where Pakistan were already ahead of the Duckworth Lewis, in my opinion... Talking to Sammy Hewitt today as well um, while we were in the office. Why not bowl Tim Southey and Trent Bolt there when you need wickets? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but look, Kane Williamson obviously uh, saw something there as an opportunity there. The spinners weren't making inroads, but let's be perfectly blunt. Neither were the pacemen, right? There was no sign that pace was troubling them earlier on. Uh, so it was the, the Pakistanis were in a dangerous position. They needed a wicket uh, and... Obviously, I don't think there was a great deal of imagination shown with those choices. That said, reading the conditions, I, I, it's easy for me to throw stones from here. But yeah, I, I, same thing. I would have brought on somebody that could break things up a bit. But. We need to talk, and I agree with you, we need to talk about Michael McGuire. Three jobs, probably one job too many. He's assistant coach of the Canberra Raiders. He is more than likely to be the next coach of the New South Wales Blues. He is the current coach of the Kiwis. The NZ or RL must keep hold of this man, should they not? I was really intrigued listening to uh, Brian Blue McLennan earlier on the show, and if you missed it, you look look for it on uh, our website and on the po- on the app as well. Check out the podcast for the run home. Some intriguing thoughts from Bluey uh, that it is time to succession plan, and if he isn't going to do the role, if, he, if he's going to take New South Wales, it must be a key whether replaces them next and how he works from there. I found that really intriguing. That said, I think that the New Zealand Rugby League will move here on earth to make both work, um, certainly where things are placed right now he'll give up the the Raiders job for uh, New South Wales I think even if he does just New South Wales he's most likely going to give that up so yeah I think uh, there's no reason the only reason that uh, Mike Maguire will not be coach of New Zealand Rugby League if at the NZRL tells him he can't as well as being the New South Wales coach. Yeah and he just has such passion for that Kiwis jersey which I get every time I speak to him. Uh, We need to talk about the Crusaders recruitment of Lee Halfpenny. Is there not a young fullback in New Zealand's capable of being a cover to like a Will Jordan. Uh, I totally get that he's a very, very good player and brings experience to a squad that is losing a lot of experience. But uh, surely, surely there's another option of a young player in New Zealand that could fill that void. Well, what's Rob Penny's job? Is it to develop rugby in this country or is it to get the Crusaders to another championship? Yep, fair point. So if, if he thinks having Lee Harpenny there is going to uh, make a difference, I, I, I think he might also just want him around so he can say, well, you might be a Harpenny, but I'm a full penny. So it's wow. uh, it's just a, an he easy said that go-to out loud. for him all, all season. No, listen, quality is quality when you get a chance to bring somebody on there. I know it's a different context in the fact that Ronan O'Gara did not soak up a position. 
uh, in that regard. He came to learn as a coach and grow. I think having uh, Lee Harpenny there will be of benefit to the team. Uh, rugby League, back to Rugby League, we need to talk about it. It's truly capitalised on a down 18 months for the All Blacks and ends it up, but now must continue that momentum, which means the Warriors need to keep winning, and please God, can we get some more International Rugby League? More International Rugby League is an absolute must. The Kiwis can play against Fiji, Samoa, Papua New Guinea, the Ellerslie Eagles for all I care, but they need to be given the chance to play, and it is the clubs that are holding them hostage. The clubs do not want to release these players mid-season for tests, so until we can knock down that door and make them do it, that's forever going to be a problem. And finally, when you talk about the Black Ferns' disappointing result on the weekend, they haven't capitalised on a wonderful season last year, falling short to a very, very good and well-drilled England side, Sam. I think it also, Brad, highlights for me how incredible the effort was to knock England off in that World Cup final. Uh, England have, that is the only game they've lost in, what, 38, 39? 39 games, yep. So it's it's that is a, a blip on on their radar that they will have to live with forever. Being England, that would be a, a tough one to take. And as All Black fans, we know how that feels. But I think they're they're definitely uh, it was a, def- a comfortable win to England, and England were dominant. But I don't think that this is a new era for the Black Ferns with a new coaching structure. Take in mind that when Wayne Smith came in, it wasn't a long term fix. So they were broken. He put them back together. So uh, fingers crossed there's more to come. Uh, lots lots to look forward to with the Black Ferns and lots to look forward to tomorrow as well. It is the Melbourne Cup. We can't wait to bring it to you. You'll hear it live here on the run home. So make sure you're listening. It's going to be a fun show. Give you some tips. Give you some insight and a bit of colour and a bit of experience of the, of the big ones. So looking forward to that. My thanks to Jacob Scott and to Brad Lewis. Uh, it's been wonderful to have your company. Some great guests, as I mentioned. Listen to it on the app. Go back and look it up. But it's now time for the rest of the run home with Fletch and Joel.